0: Next up, I talked to Christopher Davis, a retired assistant chief from the Fayetteville, North Carolina Police Department. Chris served as an officer in the Army and served in Operation Desert Storm and Desert Shield. He's an adjunct professor and a trained yoga instructor who, through his business, Yoga911, teaches the tools of yoga, meditation, and mindfulness to first responders. I had the opportunity to meet Chris earlier this year at the National FOP Wellness Conference, and we instantly clicked. He is a prime example of why the tools of yoga, meditation, and mindfulness are a perfect fit for the manliest of cops. Chris openly discusses how yoga played a part during one of the lowest parts of his life, where he contemplated taking his own life. We discuss how an invite to a yoga challenge by a coworker sparked his love for the practice. And we discuss how there isn't a right path or a right way of healing when it comes to your wellness and your journey. Chris shares how he navigated his path through a combination of yoga, EMDR, peer support, prescription medication, and intentional positive stressors. Chris tells us about his first experience with EMDR therapy, And how the incident that was most bothersome to him wasn't what you would think. It had nothing to do with a recent shooting that he had been involved with, but instead an organizational stressor, his boss. This is a topic that I covered previously on another episode where I interviewed Dr. Stephanie Kahn. The last few minutes of our episode had some technical difficulties so it's unable to be aired. Chris and I wrap up our conversation with him, simply sharing the ways that you can find him and reach out to him. If you want to find more about what kind of work he's doing, I will include all of that information in the show notes. Today I'm talking to Chris Davis. Chris is a retired assistant chief from the Fayetteville, North Carolina police department, and he is now a yoga and mindfulness instructor He has created Yoga 911 back in 2019. He served in the military, and uh, he's just kind of an all-around rock star. And I'm really excited to have Chris on on the podcast. We met not that long ago, and it's always fun for me to talk to somebody who's not just a cop but also a yogi. So welcome, Chris.
1: Well, thanks, Wendy. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is great. So, um, before I hit record, we were just kind of briefly chatting. And so, typically, I just like to have people start out and explain kind of a little bit about their background. But what I'm also curious about too is um, what drew you to this career field? Is this something that you knew you always wanted to do, or how, how did that kind of come to be?
1: No, it was pretty much of, um, a fluke, actually. Um, make a long story short, um, back in 2015, um, I was a lieutenant um, at the training center, and we got a new police chief in. In Fayetteville, um, we hadn't had a new outside police chief in, in a long time. So we were pretty much used to doing things the same way, same rules and regulations. Although we were pretty squared away, uh, any new chief that comes in is going to make a lot of changes. And it w- I, I didn't have a problem with the changes, nor do I think the majority of the um, other officers had a problem with the change. It was how those changes were made through kind of threats intimidation uh basically got me to where i was at the lowest point of my life um i was ready to retire early um losing a lot of security and a lot of money i was just i felt like i was in a, a and i liken it to a domestic violence situation i was willing to do anything to get out of that situation mm-hmm. and about the same time one of my co workers at the training center um asked me to do a yoga challenge with her, and that challenge consisted of going to as many classes as you could in a 30-day period, so I didn't go into the challenge with the idea that yoga was going to save me or even make me feel better. It was just something to do, but somewhere I ended up going about 20, 22 times during that 30-day period, and somewhere along the lines, um, the stress became manageable. Again, I didn't go in with any preconceived ideas or feelings or you know, what yoga would do for me, but, um, it just made the stress manageable and I started getting, um, better that, and and I talk about kind of trying to try to find your formula. And by that, I mean, my formula was, um, yoga. It was EMDR, which we'll probably talk about here in a little bit. Um, uh, prescription medication for a short period of time and continuing to work out. And I also had a, and I had a friend that um, I could talk to. So basically all those things together kind of created a synergistic effect. And ultimately, I started getting better and actually doing better than I was before I was going through this difficult time.
0: So that's amazing. Um, so in 2015, when all of that started to kind of unravel for you, how long before that had you been in the in law enforcement?
1: Um, about that, I was right at the 20, 21-year mark.
0: Okay. So after 21 years of being a cop, um, it sounds like in 2015 was the low point for you.
1: It was, I and I hate to admit it, but I, but I think for the benefit of the listeners, I was actually, um, I, I actually um, thought about suicide. Mm-hmm. I was in such, it was the, actually the lowest point of my life. And I didn't, you know, that we talk about, you know, I think a lot of people think that, you know, Um, thinking about suicide or committing suicide is a selfish thought and I, along with a lot of people thought that and, but I, uh, I learned through my experience that although it ultimately may be selfish, um, it's just the person or in my case, me wanting the pain to stop. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't have the ability to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't have the ability to see my way out. I felt like I was trapped and, really didn't have any other choice at that point.
0: Well, first of all, I appreciate you being so honest with us and the listeners, because I guarantee you the fact that you're talking about this and somebody listening is going to make an impact, as you know. And I know that's okay. not easy to talk about. So thank you for for sharing that. So when you were at that low point, and, you know, it's really interesting. I've heard you describe how you felt like a domestic violence victim before. I heard you say that, I think, on a different podcast. Mm-hmm. And I can actually relate to that. i have I have my own retirement story where I actually did retire earlier than I thought I was going to. and and I describe it the very same way. And it was before mm-hmm. I ever heard you say that. Uh, and more so because when I was in it, I didn't realize how bad it was until I got out of it. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of you know, when you talk about the cycle of violence, um, but anyhow, um so, so in 2015, kind of things came to a head and then, you know, I, I don't want to oversimplify this and say you went to yoga and you were better. Okay. But it sounds like yoga was a big part of your healing and you talk about some other things. Can you, can you go a little bit further into that? What, what yoga did for you, how, and, and how that kind of impacted what you decided to do about retirement and the rest of your career?
1: Um, you know, that that's, that's a great, great question. And Um, I really don't know if I have, um, a great answer for it. I just remember, you know, during yoga, although because of my new police chief, I always had to have my phone with me. So my phone was on vibrate next to me on the mat. And frequently I had to interrupt my class to answer a phone call. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a little frustrating, but on the times I could actually do the whole 60 minutes or so, um, it just gave me, um, 60 minutes a piece where I didn't have to think about the job, the stress, things that were bothering me. And and I think just that little bit of a break helped me. And and I, and I, and to this day, the feeling I get from doing yoga, that kind of that, I call it the Yogi high, that feeling of that. Well, the feeling of wellness, um, resilience, the feeling that everything at least temporarily is very well, um and, and i and i joke with my friends you know, and and it's legal you know <laughs> yeah so it is i i i guess i'm somewhat and i don't know if it's good or bad um somewhat addicted to that that feeling i, I guess of of being peaceful and, and i've learned through um some of my friends namely Doug Monda i don't know if you're familiar with him i've um, met him yeah that that there really is no price for peace and i've actually given my class to um, I remember inviting three people that were in trouble with the police department for various reasons, most of which were their own doing, but, and I asked them about the class and they didn't really have a whole lot to say about the class itself. They just said, Chris, for 60 minutes, I didn't think about the troubles I was going through. And for that, it was, it, again, it's priceless just to have that little respite of, of, uh, of peace.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. And, and I don't know how you, if you can answer this, but for people listening, like they can't see you because this is a, you know, you and I can see each other right now and I've met you, but you're, um, you know, you're a pretty muscular guy. You looks like you're fit. You work out. My guess is you've done that throughout your career. What's the difference between for you, um, doing yoga and doing any other kind of workout. If you're trying to explain to somebody what the benefit of coming to a yoga class is versus, going out for a run or hitting the gym?
1: You know, I I think there's a lot of, I I didn't know this early on, and I obviously didn't know it before I started yoga, but I think there's a lot of um, commonalities between the two. I I mean, for example, working out, I mean, and doing yoga, kind of the goal of yoga is to stay focused on the breath and the movement at the same time. And because you're focusing on one or both at the same time, it's hard for you to for your mind to wander and kind of the same way with lifting, you know, you see people go to the gym and they spend half their time on their phone and stuff like that, where I rarely, if ever pull out my phone, I have my headphones on and listen to music, but just the focus, having the same focus on the workout. So I would say they're very similar and you can do, you know, in my mind, yoga is a subheading of mindfulness Mm -hmm. because I'm focused on what I'm doing. So, you can do almost anything mindfully. You can golf mindfully. You can eat mindfully. You can run, run, you know, that repetition thing is a great way to do. So I would, you know, just pass on to the listeners that you can do anything mindfully. If you, if you focus on what you're doing,
0: that's a really good message too, because there's still a lot of people that might be resistant to going to a yoga class. And that's just one entryway, like you said, into, uh, practicing and building your mindfulness muscle.
1: And it is, it's truly a muscle. And, um, and one of the things I, and I don't know if I shared, w- shared it with the class when I was at the uh, FOP Wellness Summit, but Mark Devine, who's a Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. gave me the example of, you know, when we're building muscles, we'll use the bench press. I think everybody's familiar with the bench press. We'll, we'll change the weight, we'll change the number of reps, we'll change our grip. Uh, you may do reverse grip to basically stress out our muscles so they grow. But if you think the same way about our mind we always think of stress with the mind as being bad when in fact you actually have to stress your mind out to a certain level to actually build resilience so mm-hmm. you know little things like when i was out it was a little bit chilly this morning and i'm walking outside it's like 40 degrees in a t-shirt and shorts It's a little chilly and i'm thinking and this is kind of cold and then i just kind of reframed it that wow i'm actually building some resilience here by um, kind of challenging my mental state to, you know, become more resilient. So I'm, I'm a yeah. big fan of trying to reframe a bad situation into a good situation.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good perspective. And, and, you know, the whole cold therapy thing is something that I actually intentionally practice, that positive stressor for your nervous system, mm-hmm. like cold showers and going outside when it's cold out, even though the first 10 minutes kind of suck. And then after that, it, it gets a lot better. So that's that's a really good point. Um, so just to back up a little bit, you had a pretty lengthy law enforcement and military career before 2015. Can you give us just a little bit of background about, um, how you got into law enforcement and the military and some of the the highlights or, or what you did?
1: Um, the military, um, again, was kind of a fluke, um, hmm. make a long story short, the, the ROTC program at the Uni- university of Dayton, Ohio called me and asked me if I was interested in uh, going to a summer camp at Fort Knox, Kentucky. I said yes, and going, going to there, ended up doing, doing pretty well, so they offered me a two-year scholarship. Um, so I ended up going an extra year at school, which didn't kill me. Of course, they mm-hmm. paid for it, which was helpful to my mom and dad.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and was eventually uh, went through officer's basic course and then was uh, assigned to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And um, I was in for three and a half years. It um, was pretty busy, actually. got to go to... Um, Uh, The Virgin Islands, when Hurricane Hugo hit, uh, I got to go to Panama when we did the invasion of Panama with Noriega, and then I spent seven months in Saudi Arabia when we did Desert Storm and um, Desert Shield. Uh, Shortly after that, after the the desert storms, um, they were offering early out, so I ended up getting out about six months early. Um, Really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, Actually, I was selling cars or trying to sell cars for a short period of time. I'm a crappy salesman. Um, but then my major in college was criminal justice. So I figured what the heck. So meanwhile, we had moved back to Ohio. Um, they're still in the civil service stuff up there. So it was like a year or so before I could even get hired up there. Came back to North Carolina, applied to Fayetteville. And I guess, as you would say, the rest is history.
0: Yeah. And how large of an agency is Fayetteville? Uh,
1: About 430 officers.
0: Okay. So a pretty decent size agency.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So what, what kind of assignments or what, what, what did your career look like? Where did, did you spend a significant amount of time in one area or a little bit of everything?
1: And a little bit of everything. And that's one thing I really liked about policing is yeah. I, tend to get, I tended to get bored about every two to three years. So I started out in patrol, um, then went to our, we have a, a public housing police section where we basically worked for Section 8 public housing. I did that for three years. That was actually one of my favorite jobs. Uh, went to narcotics for a little while. Um, went to fraud, uh, went to, got promoted to sergeant, went to patrol, went to juvenile as a sergeant. Um, I'm thinking I got promoted to lieutenant, um, went back to narcotics, did the training center thing for a little while, uh, did five years in internal affairs as a sergeant and lieutenant, um, captain in charge of a patrol division, uh, and my last assignment was an assistant chief in charge of, in charge of the investigative division. So, um I, I i'm kind of uh, i know a little a, a little about a lot so
0: yeah i would say so and i i agree with you that is the benefit of the career field that that we're in or we were in is that you there are a lot of different opportunities i guess especially when you're in a larger agency to move around and get that diversity
1: mm-hmm.
0: so so before you found yoga I'm um, just kind of curious. How were you managing your stress before that, or were you even managing it?
1: <laughs> like, well, I, I'm, that's that's a great question because um, I, like you said early on, I, I've always worked out. Um, mm-hmm. From the time I've, I've done something, when I was 10 years old, my dad had me go on our first 100 mile bike ride. It took us oh, wow. eight hours, but as a 10 year old doing a 100 mile bike ride, I was I'm still pretty um, happy about that accomplishment. But anyways, I've always done something physical, played a lot of sports growing up through high school. Um, And what was ironic is um, I thought I was a resilient guy Mm -hmm. until the shit hit the fan. And then I realized that to be well, you have to, it's kind of a, you got to look at the holistic aspect, the holistic being physical, which I covered, but I kind of neglected the mental and the spiritual aspect of it. And ultimately um, if you neglect one or more of those, you're going to have suffer in some form or fashion. At least, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, I've heard people talk about that before because there are a lot of people—not everybody—that um, they'll use fitness as a way, as an outlet to kind of manage stress. And I, I, I agree that that's a really great way. And I'm very similar to you. Now, I didn't do a hundred-mile bike ride when I was ten, but I've always been pretty, pretty active. But that at some point, I also realized the same thing that this isn't quite enough. And there were some other things that needed to be be introduced to kind of, like you said, have that holistic approach. So if you, if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit about you, you alluded to it earlier, but what those other things look like for you and, and how they helped.
1: Um, pretty much kind of my routine now is I, I physically work out almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach, um, usually about three yoga classes a week. And, but what I do is after every one of my own personal workouts, I'll go in kind of the corner of the gym and do my little 10, 15-minute yoga stretch routine. And then I'll um, actually do my version of Yoga Nidra, um, mm-hmm. which, which is comprised of I do some box breathing mm-hmm. or tactical breathing, whatever you want to call it, for about five rounds. And after that, I kind of start doing my eye movement thing which is kind of a personal EMDR practice, and just just yesterday, actually, I've been on vacation for about a week, so I haven't been as um, good with the yoga classes as usual, and I did my yoga nidra uh, in the gym, and I was actually out for 25 minutes before. It's kind of, for those that don't know, yoga nidra, nidra is Sanskrit for sleep, so it's actually kind of that kind of that sweet at least for me it's that sweet spot between being conscious and unconscious you're not asleep but you're not awake so it's kind of like it's being in a great place for me um and i think some of the research shows that like um, 20 minutes of yoga nidra is equivalent to two hours of regular sleep so i'm always feeling i need more sleep so that's beneficial for me and i always wake up feeling uh 100 better
0: and so you, that's something that you incorporate after you you work out at the gym. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, one at the one, not at this gym, but at the gym prior to this, um, the gym owner came up to me and said, Chris, are you sleeping? And I, and at that point, it was kind of a great question because I didn't really know what I was doing because I was, yeah. was kind of in, in the infancy. And, and I said, Charles, I said, you know, I don't know. I said, just like I described, it's kind of that sweet spot between being asleep and not asleep. And from, you know, he, he would take pictures of me when I'm in that position, you know, I'm basically on my back. I bend my knees, keep, let my knees fall together. So I'm not having to sport, but I'm not in the quote, um, final resting pose or Shavasta pose. I, I, and I just kind of think maybe I feel a little too exposed being that way and not really conscious at the time. So, you know, I just, yeah, I just kind of have my earphones on with my music and just kind of zone out for a while. So
0: for those who still aren't quite sure what yoga nidra is, because it's probably something pretty foreign to most, most people, how did you become introduced to it? Was it during yoga training, I'm assuming, or maybe a class? How did you learn it, about it? It,
1: it, was kind of, it was through a class, um, and it was kind of taught to me through I-REST, which is a form of yoga nidra, and iRest rest stands for integrative restoration. It was actually developed by, um, I'll have to think of his name. It's Richard,
0: um, Richard, something, right? Richard Miller, yeah.
1: Richard Miller, yeah. When, when the soldiers started coming back from the Middle East, Afghanistan, and Iraq, um, they saw a need for um, something different. Um, so they actually developed iRest rest, and um, they immediately saw results. Researches um, kind of backed up their findings. Uh, it's been very beneficial to a lot of soldiers and a lot of you know non-soldiers as well. So I, I guess through experimentation, um, through iRest and then experience in EMDR, um, which we can talk about here in a second. I I kind of EMDR was both experiences were very positive for me. So somewhere along the lines, I just kept experimenting and I kind of came up with the idea of doing, um, you kind of look funny when you're doing EMDR, looking at the mirror, moving your eyes back and forth. So that was kind of a no, (laughs) I didn't stick with that plan, but I started doing it with, um, my eyes closed and just moving my eyes back and forth. And, it, again, it's kind of a personal thing, but and mindfulness is a personal journey, I think. But I, I, I learned that I never knew that the eyes were part of the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. But I encourage my, encourage your listeners to um, try moving your eyes back and forth, you know, kind of like your peripheral vision, you know, right, left, right, left, and then kind of notice your breath as well. You'll notice that your breath and your eyes are actually kind of hooked together if your eyes are moving back fast, back and forth fast. More than likely, you're breathing fast. If you're breathing fast, your eyes are going back and fast. If you slow one or the other down, it affects the other one. So that's kind of my way of self-regulating my nervous system.
0: That's a really good explanation. And for those who, um, who don't know what EMDR is, um, eye movement desensitization. Desensitization, oh gosh, I can't say the word desensitization and reprocessing. I'm almost, that's what it stands for. That's correct. And it's usually used in a therapeutic setting with a clinician. But you and I discussed this, and it's funny that you brought this up because this is something I've been looking into for our peer support team is that you introduced EMDR. You're not a clinician, right? You're a yoga teacher, you teach mindfulness, you're a cop, but you're not a clinician, but you were able to introduce EMDR. To peer support before you retired, can you talk a little bit about that and and who trained you and how that looked?
1: Yeah, this was even prior to becoming a, a yoga teacher. We had a when I started my peer support team, I had a um, I learned about EMDR through um, the North Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program. It was for mm-hmm. it was a class, it was a three day conference for people that had been through a stressful situation or high stress situation. Uh, and I went under, um, I was involved in a shooting in 1997. I went under the guise that my shooting was still bothering me, although it wasn't, um, uh, okay. I just wanted to go to the training. So kind of my EMDR story is I kept seeing my, the people in my cohort going into the EMDR sessions and coming out with this, I, I, I like it shit and grin on their face. Like tequila was involved somehow, <laughs> And I'm thinking, man, there must be something to this. And and finally, the retired trooper who was in charge of my group said, Chris, are you going to try it? And I went on to tell him, I I really don't have a problem with my situation, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, what do you got to lose? So I went in there and talked to the therapist shortly. And they kind of do just a quick interview to kind of see what the source of your stress is. And I told her, I said, I don't have a problem with my shooting. I'm good. But we just got this new police chief, and he's kicking my ass. Mm. Literally, they'll ask you to rate your level of stress um, from zero to 10, 10 being the highest, and I said, "I'm probably pushing a nine. Uh, it's literally killing me." So she said, "Well, let's focus on that." So they ended up doing the EMDR process, which you basically there's several ways to do it now, but you basically focus on the main port, the main focus, or the main source of your stress, and in this case, they move their fingers back and forth in a moderate speed. And you continue to focus on that. Um, She's probably for about 45 seconds or a minute, had me stop, take a breath, um, had me refocus back on it, do the same thing again, continue to focus on my stress. And I think she did it a third time. And what was amazing was each time, and she'll tell you, at least my therapist did, and I would tell the people that I worked with is each time it takes more effort to focus on that stressor because it's slowly, you're basically desensitizing yourself to the stress. You don't forget about it. It just In my case, it lowered the stress from an eight or nine down to a three or four. Wow. And again, what kind of with that yoga theory. It didn't make the stress disappear or go away, but it made it manageable. So when mm-hmm. I talk about my formula, if you think about EMDR making my stress more manageable yoga, making my stress more manageable again, it had that synergistic effect where it um, was just, tremendous, had a tremendous effect on my ability to kind of deal with my current situation.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you've kind of, kind of, you have your own little like yogi cocktail, right? You've got EMDR yeah. mindfulness yoga, and you've put together what works for you, which is, which is amazing. I mean, it sounds like, um, you offer that too, when you're, you, we do your teaching kind of your own, like, Hey, these are the best practices that I have found helpful. And and then you share that with, with other law enforcement officers. Is, is that what you do with your with yoga nine one
1: one, that that's what I do. The only the only the only part that um, has been um, kind of um, I guess frustrating is the fact that typically I don't have a uh, a period of time or a long period of time to work with a uh, specific person or a specific group. Mm-hmm. Ideally, say for example, if you started with a group in the academy that you were able to meet with them once a week for the next. 20 weeks or whatever it was. So you can kind of build, one, build a relationship, build the trust, which I think you need. And you can also have them uh, kind of help them tweak the techniques for their individual needs. Mm -hmm. Um, I've yet to really have that long-term relationship type thing. So um, I'm thinking, you know, although I I share as much information I can just in that short period of time, I think sometimes it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other just because they don't have anybody to kind of help them tweak the process.
0: Right. Because it sounds like when you go in, you're being very, you're, you're teaching a very basic general one-time class. And then mm-hmm. to really grasp like the concepts of what you're saying, you need to probably do a multiple classes to be able to understand it and, and experience and embody it really.
1: Yeah. That, and the fact that, um, it, like any practice, it, uh, you need to do it for a, uh, period of time for a, a while to actually see the benefits. And I know I, I've said this Dr. Mishi Jha, who's a neuroscientist at the University of Miami, came up, did some research in her lab. And she said the minimum requirement um, needed to see some benefits was four weeks for four weeks, five days a week for 12 minutes a day. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, are you ask yourself, are you worth an hour a week for four weeks to see if you see some benefits And And like anything, uh, mindfulness or yoga is dose specific. The more you do it, the faster or more you're going to see the benefits
0: yeah great and so with uh going back to emdr for peer support can you tell us a little bit more about what that training is like and how how that's deployed
1: yeah um that the, we had a guy um i forget his name because it's been so long ago but he came down from ohio he was actually an EMDR trainer uh came down and taught our peer support class um peer support group how to do it and we were basically taught to do it for acute type situations for example officer-involved shootings um, horrific crime scenes, uh, anything officer involved, something that just happened. The difference between what we were taught and what we would do is a clinician would have the ability to go into some um, some long-term issues. For example, if they were abused as a child, um, if something happened, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago before they became a police officer, we wouldn't delve into that where we just deal specifically with the incident that just happened. And in my case, um, I used a Probably twenty or so times uh, in the three or four years that I was there at the police department, and officer-involved shootings. Um, at one of our officers, he was a lieutenant whose daughter um, overdosed on heroin in New York mm-hmm. City, uh, and I still remember him. You know, we actually did this in front of in our, in, in our peer support group, <clears throat> and he was willing to do it, and of course I was willing to do it. And when he was done, and I can only assume that he felt so much better, he said, "How did you do that?" Meaning how did you, how did I, how was I able to lessen the stress or the sadness that he was feeling at the time? And it's kind of like yoga. I just get the, the, why I like to teach is just seeing when, you know, the officers or the first responders open their eyes up after that final little breath work or shavasana or whatever. And that, that kind of that yogi look or that, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to explain, but that look on their face, like, wow, everything's okay for at least yeah. a, a period of time. And I get the same, same feeling and the same benefits um, and the same responses from doing EMDR. So again, it's, um, it's probably a couple days of training and it's more, you have to kind of, it was definitely outside my comfort zone. Um, and I was one of the few that probably actually did it on a fairly regular basis. I don't really think there was anybody else that did it. Um, and, and what was really cool about it though, and again, I kind of like to experiment with things. And I started thinking, if you think about it, the premise of EMDR is to desensitize you to the stress. So I started thinking, why couldn't this be used as a performance enhancer? And by performance enhancer, I meant you you probably know, and maybe you experienced it every time everybody goes to the range, they experience some level of nervousness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people experience so much nervousness that they don't perform well and they don't pass, you know, they don't pass the. Yeah. The, the course. So in this case, there were, it was two female officers. Um, different days and times but they were shooting in north carolina i think he had like a 70 or 75 where they were shooting like a 65 60. Mm-hmm. nothing terrible but not enough to pass so i said so, you know i thought what the heck and explained to them and took them to the side at the range and did that emdr had them focus on you know center mass just kind of seeing them shoot in the 10 9 and 8 ring doing my fingers back and forth just lessening their stress and in both cases it, it, I guess it helped because they ended up, uh, they ended up qualifying afterwards. So.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I never even thought about it like that. And, and that really makes sense to me, Chris, because I was one of those people that I always qualified with my handgun, but for some reason I had this mental hang-up with the shotgun, and we had to qualify with both of those. And so I would um, – th- that's exactly what would happen to me is I knew, like, when I would go practice, I would do great. At the shotgun. Mm-hmm. But then when it came time to qualify, yeah, my phone um, went off. it's like everything just kind of, okay. I lost it all. So and I don't, years ago, I actually I wrote an article you're... about it how yoga right. and meditation helped my right. me improve my shotgun That's right. score. Yeah. Are you there? Well, as you can see, we had some technical difficulties the last few minutes of our conversation, but it was still such a valuable and rich conversation that Chris and I had. So I wanted to make sure that I still put the podcast out there. If you want to know more about what Chris is up to, if you want to connect with him on LinkedIn, I've linked that to the show notes as well as his website. Thanks again for listening, and if you have any questions, suggestions, or you feel like this is a valuable episode and you'd like to share and give us a review, I'd appreciate it and welcome all of that. You can always contact me at wendy at bluelineyoga.com.